Warning! This podcast contains hot takes, cliched opinions, and strong language. Welcome to Records and Bands. It's a very special episode this week. It's our birthday, so we're having a shitty indie disco. Happy days. Sam has got a load of his mates in the house to... In the house? What the fuck? (laughs) (laughs) Sam's got a load of his mates in, and uh, we're going to talk all about the indie scene of the 2000s. So over to you, Sam. Yeah, that's the plan anyway. So tonight we've got a couple of returning guests. So we've got Jace joining us again from uh, the Fountains of Wayne and the Mannix episodes. We got going to have to get him a T-shirt soon. Yeah, yeah. Um, then we've got Alex Trezins, Mr. Worldwide, the universe boss, joining us back um, after doing the Blink episode with us way back when. And then first time on the pod, we're joined by um, a man who I was asked if, is he the good looking one out of him and his brother? So I said, absolutely not. Um, um, yeah, so we're joined by um, our good friend, um, Elliot Summers, the HR6. How you doing, Al? You all right? Yeah, all good. Thank you. You? Yeah, good, good. So yeah, so what we thought we would do tonight is I think that, you know, it's a year. Can't quite believe it's a year. But what we've always tried to do with the pod or to begin with was trying to bridge some gaps between sort of Rob's musical taste, my musical taste, and during those periods where we weren't living near each other, sort of what we were into and what we were listening to. And I think, Rob, that's some from roughly 2000 onwards, would you say? Yeah, so... 2000 I spent most of that time in Australia and then came back and then I was working in Bromyard and lodging with Steve so we weren't in the same yeah you know and obviously you know there's the age difference of what seven or eight years which as we said you know now it 42 and 35 you are 35 aren't you am I 35 yes yeah yes there's no age difference but 20 and 12 is quite a big difference, you know. So there's always been that. Well, we did go off to gigs and that together. Um, and then this is probably about the time that you were really getting into stuff and I just wasn't around with you. So this is a massive yeah. gap for me. So, so yeah, so that brings us to what we've described as sort of the second wave of of indie, really. And what we want to do tonight is we've made a playlist, so... This is for our indie disco. And I think this is probably a good place to start. So what I would ask is we'll run through our picks that we gave. So we've had a bit of a conversation prior to recording. And I'm really hoping that we haven't wasted all our good chat via WhatsApp. But what I thought we'd do is, so we picked five songs each. And I just thought we'd go through them just to get us going. And we can sort of say go through the songs and why we kind of picked them. So, Rob, you've heard this playlist now? I've had it on a few times. I wouldn't mind a little bit of background just to be like what you guys are up to, where, you know, how old you were, where you're knocking about. I'm guessing you were in the white and most of the time listening to this shit on the jukebox, were you? Brilliant. Well, we see we're saying more of a duck install era, this, a lot of it, wasn't it? (laughs) (laughs) We gave ourselves a period of what we felt and this was a topic of some discussion, which we'll get to, but sort of between 2002, which was the release of 
um, up the bracket by the Libertines to 2009 when Arctic Monkeys released Humbug. And that felt like a period of time where this sort of music, this British indie, which we'll come on to whether it is just British indie, was, was at its peak, really. And then the Arctic Monkeys sort of changing their style towards the end of the decade kind of, for me, signified a bit of an end point and a bit of a changing point. Yeah, so for me, that this, this sort of era, um, the two, well, three major bands I remember from it uh, are the Arctic Monkeys, because to be honest, that's where I wanted to start. The playlist was that sort of first Arctic Monkeys record. But then there's quite a bit before that, which we'll come on to. I do have a track off of that. So my five songs were Maybe Someday by The Ordinary Boys, Hard to Beat by Hard Fi, Arctic Monkeys, A Certain Romance, Away From Here by The Enemy, and I Found Out by The Pigeon Detectives. Now, I think the first Ordinary Boys record is an absolute triumph, and I think it's one of the one of the stronger records from that time period. Any any thoughts on it? Was there, was there anything that I picked there that you weren't expecting, guys? Or no, I think the Arctic Monkeys is like uh, yeah from that era, but it was a bit more of a um, a bit of a left field choice. It wasn't like one of the hit hits, but I still get anything off that album. I think you could go into an indie disco and they, like it'd go off. You could play any track off that first album. I like. I just love the line. Um, just because he's had a couple of cans, he thinks it's all right to act like a dickhead. Yeah, yeah. I did giggle at that, say, <laughs> which is something that I will say has been angled at my, myself before. So, uh, if I can't laugh at myself there, when can yeah. I? Yeah, but that's, like, the lyrics on that album were amazing, weren't they? Yeah, yeah, it's that proper like lad about time sort of thing, isn't it? Yeah, it's kind of like the streets, but better because it rhymes a bit more. And there's that <laughs> one song, um, I can't remember which song it is, but it's like all the lyrics, so it's probably pointless saying it, but it's like and the, the punchline, the crescendo is the girl at the bar with the something, something came and paid for my tropical reef or something. Oh, like yeah, that. yeah, <laughs> yeah. Brilliant, yeah. The, yeah, you've like, kind of bundled that a little bit, Trez. But um, yeah, <laughs> yeah there's a there's quite a lot of of its time in it, like references to a tropical reef and yeah. stuff. I think we were mentioning before whether it was when Alex was on. It certainly came up when um, Abdul was on with us because um, about me saying it was all quite laddy. I think we were talking about the Hard Fi mm. album, and I was saying it's yeah. all quite laddy. And to be honest, you, yeah, when I think of you in that time, you have proper oi oi brilliant so brilliant I, I, but again like we, we keep talking about this indie disco was there much of a place was there an indie disco in Lampster at the time do you know what i mean no <laughs> <laughs> so it literally was in, in in the ducker and money in the jukebox type thing was it or unless you were going to see the chance live obviously well me and alex had aspirations of starting like a bit of an indie disco night in Euphoria, but couldn't get, couldn't get Malvin Mifflin to go for it, really. <laughs> I See, I remember, um, again, it's something that's on, I think you put forward for the list, Al, that 
one of you two, and I can't remember which way around it was, but spent like most of the night in the euphoria building up the confidence to go and ask the DJ to play Kasabian. Yeah. And he was like, if people are going to dance, mate, I'll play it. And you're like, yeah, we're fucking loads of... And they played it and it was just dead. Wasted on Lampster, yeah. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. See, I think a Thursday night indie disco. So, yeah, if you go back seven, eight years, I had exactly the same problem for my music. Like, mm. you're not going to get anywhere decent to go. Like, yeah. I think we said ten times there was Manhattans when they're in Hereford. Yeah. In the jail, I occasionally would have gigs on. Um, so the same problem remained ten years later, clearly. Pretty much, yeah. That's actually a point that I think we might have overlooked here, Al. But when you were in the chants doing sort of the indie rock and roll covers, yeah. you probably were a bit of a four-man yeah. indie scene. I was a forefather, yeah. <laughs> I was on the front of the wave. Absolutely. So you, Absolutely. Used to, you used to play in an indie covers band then? Is that what Sam was hinting at? Yeah, yeah. From probably about 18 to about two years ago. <laughs> right, uh, right. So and, and that's go, pubs, clubs, parties, that sort of thing? Yeah. Yeah, basically, yeah. So you've lived it then, really? Oh, I've <laughs> lived it, yeah. So we said the other week Al played the played the bucket live more times than more yeah. times than Kings no, of Leon. No, that was Golden Touch, wasn't it? More Golden times Touch, yeah. Brown. <laughs> yeah, so Brilliant. Me, me and Jason played in uh, what was our band called? Midnight Idols. Not yeah. Idols, yeah. Not a terrible band name as band names go, to be honest. Yeah. At least you're not someone in the something somethings. What was the one with Jet? In between the stands. The the Clockwork Orange. Clockwork Orange. That's pretty fucking bad, to be honest. (laughs) That was a short-lived one, that one. We went walking through the um, graveyard the other night, as you do, and there's um, like a statue. My brother, the goth. (laughs) And there's a statue of an angel there. One of the wings is broken off, and Hazel goes... Angels with chip wings, band name, called it. Called it. Brilliant. <laughs> um, what would you have picked off of that first Arctics record then? Out uh, of curiosity. Uh, can, I, can I just tell Rob the lyric just because I undersold it before? Oh, yeah, go for it, mate. Yeah. Goes, uh, didn't you see she were gorgeous? She were beyond belief. But this lad at the bar drinking his spurl of ice came and paid for a tropical reef. Nice. What song is that one? That's doors. Uh, red light indicate doors are secured. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So again, this is what we were on about. Um, how some of the stuff that I would have been listening to was a bit more, like like the Pixies or like the early Manic stuff might be a bit more abstract. This is very real life. On you know, down the pub with the boys. Yeah. yeah, the whole song is about getting a taxi home after a night out. And you know, I think I think the whole genre is pretty. It's like clever lyrics, but. It's quite, it's just telling a simple story usually. Yeah. Yeah. Although I would say there are a couple of picks on this playlist that I actually think perhaps deserve a bit more, not more credit, but are a bit more, I don't know, maybe they're not, but a bit, a bit sort of bit removed from that. And I'm going to segue beautifully out onto uh, your first pick, which is uh, Banquet by Block Party. Um, are they a 
band you're massively into or? Not really, but I just remember them being pretty massive on the scene at the time. And I love that song, Banquet. It's, I, I quite like the, um, the interplay between the guitars, quite clever arrangement. Mm. Yeah, it's, just, it's got a very good indie feel, though, I think. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And do you want to just run through the others that you put forward? So mine are Banquet, Block Party, uh, Jamie T. Sheila. Which I thought would have been a Sam pick, but... Uh, yeah, The Coral Dreaming of You. Amazing song. Which maybe doesn't necessarily fit into this genre, really. I just wonder whether it was a bit... Maybe more on the coattails of sort of the Britpop era, more than maybe this era, perhaps. Clubfoot by Kasabian. Like, the anthem of this this period, I think. That and... Bet you look good on the dance floor. Yeah. So Kasabian, when I went because I went back when I came back from New Zealand in two phase and and four, I knocked around doing a couple of shit jobs. Then I went back to college in two thousand and five, and yeah. like all the sixteen, seventeen, eighteen year olds right, just starting at college, all had Kasabian t shirts on, and this was the other white. So they were massive then. Yeah. yeah. So they were a band that I remember. Um... I can't remember what year it was. We went to Reading, and like I don't, I'm not even sure if their first album had come out then. But like there was just this like massive hype about them, mm. and like mm. the, the small tent they played in. I didn't go and see them. I don't think. Was but it apparently? You know, it was rammed, and like just they were just this band that everyone was talking about. Yeah, isn't that they were? Weren't they opening up the one stage? And yeah, maybe I, don't, I can't remember. But like they were still obviously like I said, I don't even not even sure if the first album came out. But I just. I don't know, it was one of those, I don't want to say you don't seem to get that anymore because I'm probably not of the age where I would know if that happens anymore. But it certainly felt like um, something that, yeah, was of its time where like you get this hype about a band before anyone really even knows. Well, I th- were they one of yours, Jace, as well? Or? Not so much at the time. Um, a bit later on, yeah, not, not so much at the time. So I was just going to say, building what um, sorry, what Trezens was saying that like it is almost, and this is going to make me sound like I'm about a thousand years old, but like it almost is a different time because like it's pre Spotify, it's pre all that you know, and it, it's not quite as far as like tapes on the bus, um, but it's also like like the Arctic Monkeys were huge because they were on MySpace, yeah. which is mental you know and like not just like the view or another one i think i think there might be sort of i bit... did ask you if jamie t was a myspace yes thing. yeah like lily allen was the other one around this time that was massive yeah off yeah. the back of all of that i don't you know um so yeah al i don't i think again like a bit like you not very close to sort of the scene as it were um but yeah i don't know if that would happen again because everything is seems to be Everything seems to be more accessible in some ways. And, yeah, and also, I would say, like, there's less influence from the media now. Like, I think mm. like, back in the day, the enemy, like, if a band, if someone, if a journalist in the enemy said a band were amazing, then that would be it. Like, they just yeah. gigs for, you know. Yeah, we had that with Kerrang! and yeah. Corn and like Biscuit. Before anyone realised they were shit. You know, do you mm. know what I mean? <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> because one person liked them. Whereas now, I I don't think it's quite like that. I think things are, you know, 
you but in a way bands always have to work harder because they, they have to get their views on youtube or TikTok or whatever it is up to a certain level to get that kind of same amount of hype off of the big radio stations or big you know they can't just have a lucky break as much and also there's the whole like um it's a lot more um throw away like if you if, if you yeah. go oh i'll give a listen to that i don't like that i ain't gonna listen to that again whereas before you might have heard a song off a free cd off the front of a magazine spent 12 quid on the album i've got an album here i want not actually that keen on it so i'm gonna make sure i listen to it before i get rid of it because that just cost me 12 quid and i ain't got another 12 quid whereas 12 quid a month gets you all the music now yeah exactly yeah Sorry, Al, I sort of hijacked you a bit there, mate. But do you want to, uh, the last couple? Well, yeah, Clubfoot, uh, The Wombats, Let's Dance to Joy Division. Which is a great tune, isn't it? Well, I enjoyed I think, that when I listened to it today. I think that epitomises the indie scene, really. And the white lies, death. This it's, was really, I thought this was really left field, to be honest. Great song. Yeah, probably. Agree, yeah, it was a bit left field, yeah. They're not a band I'd say I'd thought you'd be into, really, Al. Well, I think that album is one of the yeah. best albums going, really. And that song is, yeah, it's brilliant. I mean, it's quite a grim song. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's quite inspirational when it, like, the crescendo at the end, it's like... Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's quite an uplifting song. Yeah, it, it is. Like, as it, it starts off quite, yeah, yeah, depressing. And then as it builds and builds, it's more, like, inspirational. Yeah, we are going to die, but fuck it, we're going to live first. Wow, get deep on the pod tonight. <laughs> Oh, I love um, that song. Yeah, um, this bit of a sign though is: Did Scott get you into them? Because I know he loves them, and I know you you would have spent quite a bit of time with Scott. But yeah, I think we were both fans already, and we right. went and watched them. Oh, and, nice! And Jace, we went. Bad night out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and we did, and we did cover this as well. This oh, so the, I meant to ask this actually. Yeah. Um. So, yeah. Rob, just for again, sorry, bit of context: Jace, Elliot. And Scott, who's now in Angry Barrels, were, were oh, I almost said a thing then. That makes you sound like you're having three ways, but <laughs> I don't know. Maybe you were. <laughs> um, right. Jace, do you want to go for sorry, yours? As Alex wants to save his. Yeah. So mine are kind of all big hits. And I think, I think that's potentially because I was perhaps a little bit late to this scene. So I think 2000 and sort of. 2004 2005 I was probably still listening to mostly pop punk and emo so I'm wondering if potentially minor bigger hits because I don't know maybe like it's stuff that stood the test of time a little bit better potentially definitely think there's a couple of picks on air from you that are yeah absolute like godfathers of, of that time but I'll, I'll, I'll let you go I don't want to steal any so more thunder we'll start with start with Mr. Brightside because I mean so I was in New Zealand when um, Killers broke, if you like, or when that album came out, and um, they had like a MTV style show on the telly, and it was somebody told me was a massive mm. hit yeah. in New Zealand, and when I I saw the video, and then they had some like live stuff of them, and I thought, holy fuck, an actual proper band again? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, that, that was my first impression of the Killers was like they actually look like a band, like a hmm. proper band that I would, would have been into. And then yeah, I never yeah. really got into them. But <laughs> you, but you, do you know what I mean? It's... I think, I think the, 
well, I know you agree, Sam, perhaps perhaps not as much you, Ellen, Alex. I think the peak probably came the next album, didn't it? I think Sam's Town is definitely there. I, I think cre- creatively, certainly, for me, that's like, whew, that's a proper record, that. But I, I don't know, commercially, commercially, I would say it would be the first one. I don't know. Yeah, I get, and, and don't get me wrong, the hits off the first one are. Oh, yeah, except, yeah, yeah. It's They're not that long good. since they headlined Glastonbury with, and got the old wow. Pet Shop Boys out. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd imagine they still would be headlining Glastonbury. Yeah, they probably they? would, yeah. Ooh, certainly up there anyway, I would, would have thought. Um, next to kind of a libertines feel. So Time for Heroes, which was the sort of, I think was the big single off the first Libertines album. Uh, yes. Would it be that and, and Don't Look Back Into the Sun is off the first record? I know that That's one. That's in between, isn't it? Oh, is it? Between, yeah. Like ah. yeah. And there was What a Waster as well, but I'm not sure if that was on the first. Yeah, um, I think it might be actually. Mm. So all I remember of the Libertines really, and it's probably like the age thing again, is Pete Doherty was with Kate Moss. Yeah. And was a bit of a smackhead. Yeah. Absolutely yeah. fucking loved the heroin. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you genuinely do, don't you? And you many, and many, <laughs> uh, yeah, you don't like it. Do you? <laughs> it's all right. Um, and then he was in the papers wearing hats a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. that's pretty much my takeaway. But I get the feeling that for like you kids at the time, if you like, they're m- a, m- a, m- a much bigger thing than I ever give them credit for. Yeah. I think if you were into it, he's a, he's a an absolute icon, isn't he, Doherty? Yeah. I think if you're talking about the scene of the, mm. like he was like the head of it. The God, yeah, but a lot of people, you know, they you go to indie clubs and there'd be people, you know, clearly dressed up that want to look like him. They'd wear their like what are those? What did he wear? Like a red? Oh, the suit. um, oh, what they the call soldier. Oh yeah, I meant to ask. Like the padded shoulders and the red. He was like the look, you know. It was the that was it, like that kind of. And then the fact that for long Camden twat. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The fact he became like a tabloid star, obviously, makes the the whole. I hate keep saying the word scene, but the whole scene like much. But I kind of lump him in with like Russell Brand in that as well. Yeah, exactly. And that whole sort of Big Brother, Russell Brand, just all a bit tabloidy and. Like other than like the big singles, I wouldn't have heard any stuff on the Libertines. And then it was was it Baby Shambles you've got on here as well, Jace? Yeah, yeah. So obviously that that came shortly after. But I think Albion, which is the next one on the playlist, I think it started life as a Libertine song potentially. I think so. I think sort of late in the first run, I think it was sort of floating about, and then it, it ended up on the first Baby Shambles album. And I think I think that's an absolutely amazing lyric. I, th- I actually think. The Baby Shamble stuff ends up being a bit disjointed because of the state he was in at the time. But I think that's as good of a lyric as he wrote, as he's written at any point in his career. I think it's brilliant. As a songwriter, he's, you know, he's proper up there as well, I think. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I always, well, me and Jace often speak about it, and you might be coming on, like, Time for Heroes is is a genuine masterpiece. Yeah. Like, it is, yeah, yeah. Who's yeah. the other feather? Oh, Barrett. Yeah. So Barrett, is it sort yeah. of, Pretty much a was it pretty much like a Pete Doherty led project then Libertines or was it a bit more fifty fifty or I think it's pretty fifty fifty they split right. vocals fifty fifty it's right like, yeah it's, it's pretty much all and and Carl Barrett just as much of a genius as well I, I... Oh, yeah oh, yeah 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 to be fair I'm, I sort of say about 
I don't know who wrote Time for Heroes, to be fair, out of the two of them. I, I, um, but it's a great song. It's a great song. And there's, I, <laughs> it might be something that we come on to, but there's definitely like uh, Mick Jones, Joe Strummer kind of thing going on there, isn't there? Like, yeah, yeah. I, I think the Libertines are probably the nearest. Don't. No, no, I'm going to say it. I think they're probably the nearest band to The Clash since The Clash. You're, you're like this as well, Rob. Described by Nicky Wire as the last British band that meant something. There we go. Well, the Libertines. All oh, right. Yeah. Okay. The, the music I don't necessarily out. agree. But... I was going to say, Nicky Wire has come out with some shit in the past. <laughs> oh, absolutely. He, so. Yeah, yeah. But, but I mean, there's, there's definitely something, you know, mm. there's, there's definitely something special about them. Yeah. Sorry, Al, what were you going to say there, mate? Well, just like the music itself, probably, although it appeals to us, it wouldn't probably have gone mainstream without what Pete Doherty was in and out of prison, mm. fighting with the bandmates, you know, all that sort of going out with Kate Moss. So then that like that's propelled them into like a wider audience. And to be fair, it's you know it's worked out pretty well for them. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the the definitely got that star appeal, isn't he? But I think it just wouldn't have got noticed without that that star factor, really. Mm. He has got the body of what well, they have got the body of work really to go with it. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. And what I, I quite like about the Lib- I don't, there is a third album, isn't there? More recently. Yeah, yeah. yeah and it's which I, to, to be fair, yeah, I haven't, I haven't really heard it, but like, I quite like that it's that sort of like, it's all a bit ramshackle. It's all like, this is fucking, this is what, what it is. Have it. It's, it is what it is. Just listen to it. If you like it, like it. If you don't, fuck off. Well, it wasn't just like indie. It was uh, the rock and roll of its time. Like, yeah. 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 Well, he probably is the last true rock and roll star, really. I can't think of anyone since, particularly. Kanye <laughs> West, obviously. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Someone's been listening to old old podcasts. <laughs> I suppose as well, it came off like the back of like all the, like Rob was saying earlier, like all the kind of Limp biscuit, all that kind of American trash. Yeah, well, as well, like White Stripes, The Strokes. Yeah, but what I mean is like that kind of style, that new metal or like yeah. even like maybe pop punk. And if that wasn't kind of your thing, the only other guitar music you had was probably like Travis or someone. I don't know. You know what I mean? Yeah. Exactly like great stuff. But, and then the Liberties and all these bands came along and it kind of reignited a bit of like spirit, a bit of rock and roll in it rather than... Yeah. Because kind of... around the time I was, went off to... Australia in that like I think I've said before that the year in 99 I went off to Australia and Coldplay opened one of the little tents at Reading and then when I came back they were like everywhere yeah Travis were everywhere yeah David Gray was everywhere and then fast forward three years four years and you're then into this lot Mm. so Coldplay some that we're going to touch on in a little bit with a few other sort of other bands. Um, El Jaws, sorry, Jace, with you, aren't we? Um, you've got a couple more on your list. Yeah, so Cortina's Please Don't. Not necessarily the, the hit off the album, I guess, but what an album again. Like, mm. I think it's probably something we'll touch on later, but I think there's sort of a, a general sort of thing of the bands from this scene, their first album being significantly better than mm. what came yeah. after. Because I think like you could probably say the same about, certainly about The Enemy, for sure. Yeah, probably pigeon detectives as yeah. well. Among ordinary boys, as you said earlier. Yeah, but there's probably more clubbers as well. Mm. But yeah, great, great album, great song, and another 
another one where I think perhaps his lyrics get get underrated a little bit. I think he's yeah, he's pretty good. Very, very, very good. And your last pick again, a little bit like the White Lies. I thought this was really left field. Yeah, so Modest Mouse are absolutely brilliant. I was, as we've discussed in the in the in the group chat, I'm not sure it necessarily applies. They're definitely indie. They're mm. as indie as indie can be, but it's American indie, so it's a different sound and it's a different. Yeah, and like it's Johnny Marr playing guitar on it, so it's definitely got that sort of the indie twang about it. But it's mm. it is admittedly very very different to. And they, yeah. you've probably heard of them, Rob, haven't you? Because they've been around donkey Yeah, years. sort of. Um, I don't really know them. There's um, a page I follow on um, Instagram, uh, Grunge Bible, and then every now and then they'll put up a video of Modest Mouse and then everyone will rip the piss out of them for putting up Modest Mouse and saying, that's I not think... grunge and this, that and the other. And it's just oh, it's like, definitely it's... not grunge. No, no, no I know. It's just, it's just a running joke on Instagram. Like, so. Yeah, I think, I mean, from what I've heard, there's the sort of the mid 2000s albums when they try to be a bit more commercial, which are significantly easier to listen to than what came before. I think it's perhaps the stuff before gets a bit more critical sort of praise. There's, what, there's one album, like, is it The Moon and Antarctica? It's called Potential, I think, possibly, which is like number one in his 1994 album of the year on, you know, on a load mm-hmm. of charts. So I think that's perhaps the critical one, but the, the stuff that's actually easy to listen to came a bit later and it would have been around the time when we were in the office, Sam, when we were sort of, when well, we were listening was, to a lot of new stuff. And... I was going to say to you about this. Now, is it Modest Mouse who did the Grey album, or am I completely pulling this out of my arse here? Which is like the the mashup between Jay's Black album and no. the Beatles' White album. Who was that? No, that was, wasn't that just Jay-Z that remixed it? No, no. We Weezer like a colour, doesn't it? Did you say Danger Mouse? Yeah. That's who it is, Treasure. Is it? Right. Yeah. Right. I knew there was a mouse involved. And I think that might be why I got a little bit particularly confused when you um, mentioned that, because I think I was thinking, hang on a minute, this doesn't sound like... This doesn't sound like Jay-Z and the Beatles. Have you ever heard that, Rob? No. It's quite cool. It is. I only listened to Watch the Throne last year. Yeah, true. So, give me a break, like... (laughs) <laughs> in fairness to Rob, that album didn't actually get released. So we oh, do right. well to listen to it because it doesn't no. actually exist, really. It was only like a dodgy a dodgy version of, I think, Phil yeah. to find in the office. And that was... There's the Joy of Napster. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that's quite good, though, for why I've heard of it. But yes, so that brings us to... to I've got a few to, to add at, at the end. So I have had some, some correspondence from the listener. Um which we'll get into, and I'm hoping it's going to lead us on to some other chats. But, Trez, do you want to give us your your five indie one-hit wonders from 20, yeah. 2002 to 2009? Some of these are, are brilliant. Brilliant, brilliant songs. And I, yeah, had a lot of... Enjoyed this quite a lot, to be honest. Um, so, yeah. Sorry, go on, sorry, yeah. No, no, go for it, mate. Go for it. No, I was just going to say, so, Rob, I decided, because I just couldn't decide... I thought I'd just go for one hit wonders just also to illustrate the fact that whenever there is like a scene or whatever, there's always a load of basically shit that just gets carried along <laughs> for the ride because you know what I mean? They've like record companies just want to get on board and they just hope that a band kind of goes, but, and also I'd, one of the songs was dogs die in hot cars, lounger. 
amazing song. I, I forgot. That's brilliant. I really like that. Yeah. But to pick up on um, Jason's point of the first album being the best, I mean, I bought that album and it's probably one of the worst albums I've ever heard in the whole <laughs> I don't know how anyone <laughs> has put their name to it. Absolutely terrible. Two, so, two tracks. I love you because I have to. It's a oh, good yeah, tune, though, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, I thought when you said I, saw, I read Dogs Die Not Cars, I thought that would be the one you went for. Didn't we watch him at Reading one year? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah. You've got a vague sort of yeah. recollection of that. Yeah. And then um, another one was Boy Cool Boy, Susie. Couldn't even tell you what any of the members of that band even looked like. Just that it was a catchy kind of indie song that got a bit of radio play at the time. Yeah, well, Again, I, I didn't think I knew that song, but when it comes yeah. on, you do know it. It's yeah. one of them tracks. Yeah. Uh, the Rakes, 22 Grand Job, similar to Story. No idea if they even released an album or what. Do you remember the dance moves from the video, Press? I quite like that song, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It felt very pre-Credit Crunch. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, I remember the, yeah, the video. And then Claxons, who pr- probably, it's a bit harsh to call them a one-hit wonder. But I still, I just think they're like very of that mm. time. Like they were just trendy. The enemy like thought they were gods that essentially yeah. probably released twelve songs altogether in their back catalogue. But were... what was the other single? Because you've got golden yet. scans. It's Sorry, not o- it's not over yet. Is ah, it? yes, yes. Oh, I know that one. They've probably been used. It's, it's what? Sorry, Al. A cover. Was that a cover? That was or... it? That was it? Oh, it might be. Yeah, I don't do know. they not yeah, use they it on match of the day all the time or something? Yeah, for probably. Of the month or something. Yeah, there's a lot of that on this playlist. It all feels a bit soccer AM, yeah. to be honest. Oh, it's massively soccer AM. <laughs> oh yeah, it is. Oh. Yeah. So, yeah, 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 yeah. Should be called the soccer AM playlist. I <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Then hot, hot heat. That was just a big song at the time, but again, nothing really to back it up from what I can, from what I can remember anyway. And then the ultimate. One hit wonder, I think, or novelty song is uh, the automatic and monster, which I struggled to listen to all the way through. I'll be honest. <laughs> Got aged well. I had this, I had this going this evening before we came on, and Hazel went, "Oh, finally, one song I know." <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a great tune. Yeah, it's all right, but yeah, again, just I like... wouldn't have put it in with the. I wouldn't have put it in with the rest of them though. No, no. I mean, it but, wasn't. It's not the same, like sonically or anything like that. But it, it, it was around that time. And I think I did. We see them, Jones, supporting the ordinary boys. Uh, yeah. Do you know what? I had that thought too. Yeah. So that's kind of confirmed that for me. I think that's the first time I heard that song, and then it kind of blew mm. up. Yeah, because that was. I think that was the number one single. Or it was a big tune. I yeah, I think, yeah. I think it went number one. Yeah, yeah. The better songs, Steve McQueen, which is really good. But like yeah. they. I wouldn't say it's still pretty wonderish, isn't it? They it probably never got the top 50. I would say a good comparison for like music from my era, if you like. We went to see, um, well, we went to Reading and I think we saw the Foo Fighters and Rancid played and Bad Religion played and then Rocket from the Crypt came on and did On a Rope. Uh, yeah, so, yeah. Like, this feels very much like the On a Rope of yeah. this playlist. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no. It's a great that. tune and you love it and you're going to go tits when you see him play it live. <laughs> yeah. But do you know any other Rocky from the Crypt song? Oh, I don't, to be fair. No. I don't, no, no. 
Anyone, um, you're looking blankly about Rocket from the Crypt, to be honest. Don't think I've even heard the one Rocket from the Crypt. <laughs> oh, it's a good shame, that. So yeah, Granddad's going to bed now. <laughs> I think Rocket from the Crypt have released like a series of kids songs or something. Really? Have they really? Or like the one of the bloke from it is done. I don't know. I'll have to. That might be a false claim, but. We'll fact check that one for yeah, your dress before we put that out. I would just put um, that out then soon. So, Rob, before we come to you for your views on this, which I'm very, I am very interested to hear. That sounded really disingenuous then, but no, I genuinely am. Um, I went out pre uh, the pod to um, a few people and put some stuff on our socials at Records and Bands. Um, ben Reese, who. I think, well, I know certainly me and Elliot have had the conversation about where do you get your new bands from? It's generally from Risa, you know. So I, I said to Ben, um, give us your top five tunes from the 2000s indie period. He came back with um, Arbors by the Baby Shambles, um, Wasted Little DJs by The View, Vice by Razorlight, Do Me a Favour by the Arctic Monkeys, and either way, by the twang. Now, if you ever, and I put some of these onto the playlist, um, but if you ever wanted a uh, Soccer AM tune, either way, by the twang, great song. Well, what do I you think of? Is the album any good? Yeah, it's decent. The thing I love about the twang most is you can hear that they're brummies in their vocals. Yeah. Like, you don't get many brummy vocals. A lot of like, northern indie bands you know just doing the typical northern in a band thing but not many brummies Mm. i don't know whether this is a thing that's um maybe a british thing i don't know or maybe it is an indie thing but like um al you were saying about dreaming of you i love how strong his accent comes through on that and you know the same with the arctic monkeys isn't it you know you can hear that sort of really strong and recently, uh, that Yard Act album. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the other couple that have, have bits of correspondence I've had to Jake, who does our artwork, come back with a little list. So, Bet You Look Good on the Dance Floor, um, I'm Not Sorry by the Pigeon Detectives, uh, Boys Will Be Boys, the Ordinary Boys, uh, Not 19 Forever, which is off that same Cortina's album. Now, the two that we didn't come to, which really surprised me, and Rob, you actually hit one on the head. Was he Jake? Uh, can, can, said, can, can I just on. say, you, te- you sent me the playlist through, and within about four seconds of looking at it, I sent you this back. It was, when it was literally like that. I was so shocked it wasn't on there because they played it at your wedding, and and you all went tits. So yeah, so Chelsea Dagger by the Fratellis. I don't think they even you know, certainly in our first round picks didn't come up. And then the band that I was I was waiting for someone to mention, and and we did eventually get to it. But like the Kaiser Chiefs, so I predict a riot was from Jake, and then massive, Ab- massive in that in that time era, really. Oh, huge, wasn't yeah, it? No, so it was, but I also texted you and I said, like Kaiser Chiefs were massive, but hmm. also a bit shit. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It always just felt very novelty, like a novelty band rather than like hmm. proper. So that first album for me, it's like they had a song that sounded like, or tried to sound like The Clash, and another song that sort of sounded a bit like The Specials, and another mm. song that sounded like someone else, and they never actually seemed to sound like themselves. Yeah, 
And it all to be fair, Bridge of Riot probably was the nearest to the them you would get, and it's a great tune, isn't it? But like, yeah, um, horrendous lyric. Oh yeah, but... dreadful. <laughs> yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. But you'll never and forget then... it, though, will you? Do you know what I mean? No, that's very true. Yeah. Uh, yeah I yeah. To be honest, Al, when you were going through your one-hit wonders, I was sure that was going to come up. Um, but alas, no. Yeah, but we got it. Riot song is quite like street, isn't it? It's all like normal stuff. Like, yeah. About being out at night, isn't he, or something? Yeah. yeah so it's um, all just again. Look the wrong way at a policeman and all that. Yeah, like <laughs> watching the, w- watching the people get there or something, isn't it? Yeah. Instead of like all the bling bling limp biscuit, yeah. and bros and that, that everyone had been subdued to, subjected to. It's when was that first Kaiser Chiefs album? Was was that two thousand and five? Because that, uh, that was that when I first came back from New Zealand. It would be around then, I'm yeah. sure. I'll just Google it. So, because again, uh, like, what you kind of get, well, you because I went to Australia and then came back and all this stuff had occurred, you kind of take yourself out of it. Not that the music doesn't get to those places, but you're not really involved in it, you're too busy. Just, yeah, do you know what I mean? 2005, that one. Oh, there you go. Ah, so, that was right, the, yeah. I came back. Look, so. I mean, um, the Fair by I predict it might have been the worst, but Ruby, Ruby, Ruby's pretty bad. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's a, yeah. That's a rough lyric, isn't it? <laughs> um, yeah. So the last couple of bits before we get back on some of our talking points, because we are we are prepared, believe it or not. Um, Adam said, um, don't the back into the sun, which I know we've mentioned. And then the other Babington, Tom, Jake's brother, sent me a playlist. He, he's been working on a playlist um a lot of it i hadn't heard of and some of it wouldn't i think we probably would have got to but it didn't it wouldn't quite match our parameters so uh, the bees have you heard of the bees is oh, that on yeah. oh yeah yeah um he he had like razzmatazz by pulp which again is was is too early well um, no it's not too early because that isn't razzmatazz a new the new single off the greatest hits oh was it i think they recorded it oh, called okay. the greatest hits so te- like i think the greatest hits came out about 2002 maybe right and i think razzmatazz was like you know how they did that there's yeah yeah, yeah 18 yeah. greatest hits in two new songs that's sort of yeah bullshit. i'm sure razzmatazz was that but again ah, okay. happy to be wrong no i could well be there and then we also had on this list great tune though heart in a cage by the strokes latchmere by the maccabees who will come on to CSS, remember them? They were sort of, they were kind of a bit LCD sound system, a bit Claxons, if I remember rightly. Um, and then you've got Echo and the Bunny Men, which again is is wouldn't match up. Yeah, yeah. Um, a few bit uh, a band called Warpaint, who I don't know. The Shins, remember the Shins? Um, and then uh, one I thought you did mention out, um, but Franz Ferdinand were on there. I can't remember if we did you have that on your long list, Franz Ferdinand. Yeah, take me out. Apparently, a few people said it or something. But yeah, I mean, uh, that, right. Uh, that was huge, wasn't it? That was like um, yeah. another one. It wonder, I think, really. Hmm. Um, yeah. Just to interrupt, Razmataz, nineteen ninety three. That's what we do on this podcast. It's hard hitting, accurate <laughs> journalism. What What was it? Alex complimented me on like top quality. Top quality punditry or Top something. quality punditry, yeah, yeah. I was only about 11 years out. <laughs> um, so, Rob, come on then. Before we get on to some, a bit more of the, of the scene, if you will, um, and our thoughts and feelings about it, what did you think of the playlist? So, I didn't hate it. 
Right, strong, strong start. <laughs> um, it was very much the sort of stuff I would imagine. I, I kind of had in my head that you would have listened to going out being all your boys. That, Did it that, make that. you want to go get a Carlin? No, it didn't. <laughs> I hadn't heard. I didn't think I'd heard a lot of it before, and then there was just like bits of it. I, I kind of remember just from being about because I think as up with things as I kept then was the Chris Moore show. So, so until yeah, from about from about two thousand and five until two thousand and nine, I suppose I would always have Chris Moore was on in the morning, and then it would get switched to something else afterwards. So, but then so obviously there'd be stuff off the radio and play this. Then um, it felt to me because you were talking about it being indie, and yeah. it's, it's not indie as in no, none of it on there is indie as in Oasis is indie or Blur is indie. It's not no. Brit, it's not Britpop indie at all. No. And I felt it's more kind of if back in the eighties there's a bit of a split, if you like. So you've got the stuff like like Joy Division and New Order were doing. If that had carried on going, I think you would have got to hear sooner. Right. Instead it kind of went the Happy Mondays, Madchester, Stone Roses scene into Oasis and then Blur and Pulp and all of that. Right. I think I think this is more on that um post-punk new wave sort of trajectory that new order started to go off on right. if that makes any sense i think the gateway is probably the strokes isn't it I think the connection well, to brit pop and indie is might well be the strokes this is something that we touched on wasn't so, it so what, what i'm thinking is really like if I, if I think of indie i go straight to brit pop so i'm thinking not just oasis and pulp and blur but shed seven and the long pigs and dodgy if you like and all of that sort of and there's yeah. nothing on here that you would put on the same playlist as any of that. Well, do you think, do you think that's a generational thing, though, Rob? Oh yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. But I also feel that it's, yeah, I think if if you trace it far back enough, I think you do get. This is definitely punkier than all of that stuff. Hmm. There's definitely, um, and it's definitely louder, and it's purposely less melodic, I suppose. Not to say it's without melody. It's less anthematic, isn't it, rather than... Yeah, that's anthematic, like, yeah. Um, Like, I get the feeling that Noel Gallagher knows every chord and knows how every single chord goes together and just knows how it all works, Mm. whereas this, it doesn't feel any less deliberate, but still feels more haphazard, maybe? I don't think that's too, too far from fair to be honest well, actually here, here's a better phrase a lot of the stuff on here feels a lot more organic right than a lot of like the the 90s brit pop mm. stuff which at start would have been and then by the time you get to like 95 96 and you get into like the verve and all that sort of stuff it all feels like whatever waste is done will build on that whereas this feels like another organic going but it's kind of Bypass, it's bypassed the previous 10 years and gone back to the mid-80s to say, what were they doing there? And if we follow that trajectory, where will we get to? Right. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Wonder, yeah, sorry. I wonder whether, like, after the Britpop thing, you have bands coming in like Coldplay, Travis, like you were saying, which, to be fair, as good as they were, it's not, like, stuff that's going to get you out dancing in the pubs. No. So it's kind of got a bit stale, like the stereophonics have got a bit stale, you know. So it, it was an injection of energy, really. It was like 18-year-olds don't really want to be listening to Travis in the pub, really, do they? No. A, a, a really good point. Um, 
because we, when we were talking about it, there are a few bands who, like, I would say are quite associated with it, with the indie scene. But, like, like Coldplay being a... a, a like, at the time, Coldplay were a massive band, weren't they? Still are, really, yeah. Well, yeah, to be fair, yeah. Um, but then you've got stuff like Keen and stuff like that, which, like, I wouldn't call an indie band and I wouldn't put them on the same playlist as sort of what we've got together here, but they're that kind of era. And, but one I would say, and I'll, I'm going to tip my hat to you for this one and this recommendation all those years ago. Um, and Jace, you can sit down for this. Um, like snow patrol, right? Snow patrol, again, aren't particularly a band who I would put in with stuff like the libs, Arctic monkeys, but again, definitely around at that sort of time but i think how to be dead by snow patrol is one of the great songs of that period i like that first snow patrol album oh fair play i just thought the nicky wire thing might upset you is that the one with run on it in that yeah Yeah. i think that's i don't think that's the first i think it's like the third album though isn't it i think no i think it's I think the one with all the hits on, I just don't think it's the debut album. Yeah, but, but uh, see, okay. But so like Slow Patrol, I would put in with the Coldplay's and the Travis's and the Oasis, if you like. Yeah. Not with this lot. Mm. Coldplay's song, and not um, Snow Patrol song. It was really good. That was proper indie, I reckon. Which one, sorry, Al? I can't remember what it was called now. When I do, do, do. Spitting Games. Oh, Spitting Games, yeah. 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 But that, that album is good. But then mm. Chasing Cars probably killed it from really, didn't it? I mean, it's yeah, it's the most covered song of all time because it's yeah. So there was a band that I was into, so from about '96 to the about 2000, well, no, 2002 maybe. Idlewild, do you remember Idlewild? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So I kind of think they got market corrected by Snow Patrol. Because they were kind of that Celtic band that were getting more, more and more mellow as they're going along, and then suddenly Snow Patrol came and took their audience. So the other band, and Jace, I will come on something you mentioned as well, so you might want to expand on that. It's like again, just thinking about other bands who were kind of around at the time, and like someone mentioned them earlier, and it's quite convenient that it's it's um, twenty years since the debut. Um, plus the streets. So, like, the streets, again, like at the time, I wasn't really that into them, but a bit like everyone, you know, fit but you know it, is, like, it's an amazing song. But, like, that, that first record, 20 years ago, so it's like, bam, it's right there at the start of it all, or certainly at the start of this period that we're looking at. Um, thoughts on the streets? I think they're brilliant years. Legend. Mm. I've got a theory about the streets, at see, if you want to hear it. Absolutely. So I think The Streets or Mike Skinner is one of, like, if you talk about urban, it makes me sound really like daddy, but like, you know, (laughs) music, urban music, like, which now is, you know, when there's a massive um, explosion in grime a few years ago with Stormzy and all these, these things. But I think you can trace that back to Mike Skinner because he was the first person in the mainstream, I'm sure there was some, you know, underground artists and stuff. Like maybe you could say there, that Roots Maneuver, people like that. But the first person to put out what would be considered kind of hip hop or garage type music, 
but where the lyrics were in a British accent. It wasn't it wasn't UK music rep, trying to replicate America. It was just taking it and just putting it into a UK version of it. And I think without Mike Skinner, I don't think you would have got Stormzy, your Skeptors, your you know all the all the artists which then ten years later just completely you know took off. And it's, and it's not just how they sound, is it? It's, it's what they're actually singing and talking about, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Do, you, do you think, like, at one point, to be like that would be difficult because the record company's thinking, well, he ain't going to sell nothing outside Britain, so they ain't going to touch him? Yeah, absolutely, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So that opened up the sort of the gate for, yeah, the sort of British. Yeah. Yeah. And again, like if you go back to like my bands, if you like, the the same was true. You had a band like Bush who had that such an American sound that a record company over here wouldn't touch them, and they had to go to the states to get their record deal to get a break because you know the the opposite of what you're saying about Mike Skinner there are. So, uh what year? And this is a leap, but bear with me. What would year would the first Dizzy Rascal record be? Oh, I'm so going to yeah, guess it 2004. Yeah, it would be around that time. Like, because I always sort of, I would say like Dizzy and Mike Skit and the Streets are yeah. kind of. They came, yeah, I'd say they came up together mm. in many ways. Yeah, yeah. So, and, and this is what is for me is really, in, and it's something that I've been thinking about quite a bit. And it did come up when we spoke to Mike last time about like the metal scene and stuff, but like stuff that's like we're talking about, we're calling it indie, but you've got such a variety of stuff here and jace you messaged me about like the plain white tees and stuff like that yeah obviously having listened to the plain white tees it's pretty apparent that they're not probably not indie but when hey there delilah came out that's indie is like that was Mm. of of the scene it came out at the same time like if you went like obviously l alex i'm not sure how familiar you are with them but like me and you sam we've heard heard other stuff so we know that they're not that But, but hey there delilah is like I'd have, I'd have put that in. When I hadn't heard anything else, I'd have put that in with that Kooks tune. The um, she moves in her own way. I'd, I'd put it yeah. in the same vibe as that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. If you would, if someone had put Hey Lair Delilah forward for the playlist, I probably it wouldn't have blown my mind. If you know what I mean. Um, so that, yeah, it's just something that I, I've got on my little list of notes here. Is that like it's it's a really varied scene, isn't it? And I don't know whether that's just because that's one of the the first real scenes, if you will, that we've said scene a lot here, that like I grew up with, if you know what I mean. So like I found a lot of the other stuff. Like by the time I was listening to like Green Day, that was almost sort of it was all there to be found. There wasn't yeah. really like nothing new because obviously it was old. If that, if, if you know, catching up on the olds. Um, so I, so for me, like younger than you, um, I was younger. Like relatively, I was younger than you at the time. The same thing happened. If you like, follow that if you can. I <laughs> <laughs> think, um, think I got it. Yeah. So I went through Guns N' Roses, Iron Maiden to Pearl Jam and all the grunge stuff in about 18 months. Yeah. And then I was running with everything new as it came out. Yeah. Whereas, so you're, it's the same. This is the first. So you, you kind of go in historically with the stuff that's around. And that's the stuff you like, and there's a body of work for you to explore, yeah. and investigate. And this is the first time something new's come along and grabbed you and gone, 
we're here to yeah uh, get, yeah this is we uh, this is the first time you've grabbed something and gone this is mine uh, yeah uh, yeah i, I would know. yeah i would yeah and like you you would hear like like i was saying we saw the ordinary boys and we saw the automatic all right not a great example but like I think we saw the Dead 60s support the Ordinary Boys once, and they're a fucking brilliant band from that sort of, again, era. They're a more of a scar band. But again, that sort of neck of the woods, that, that sort of time. And like, I've got bands like, you know, like the Subways, the Hives I've written down here, which were all like, you know, perhaps more of a, of a punky kind of sound. Um, I think it's, it's like back in, around that time, though, like everything would get lumped into a... Uh... It's easy. They, people just want to label stuff, don't they? Like, and also like the mm. music channels. So if it was on, I work if it was on a MTV Two or whatever, <laughs> yeah. in like Indie Hour or whatever they do it, or, then it's indie. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, if yeah, yeah. Somebody in an office probably decided to put it on because you know this. The, it, what you can't just completely kind of define what it is. So. Mm get lumped into it like even i'd say like feeder some of their tunes would be you know yeah they would get yeah. played in indie disco or something like that you know oh yeah like just a day is prime yeah, indie disco day. isn't it yeah I, um, think, I, I think feeder fall into that sort of previous group there with sort of although hmm. different musically they're probably like on the back of the brit pop era rather than sort of in the indie yeah oh yeah, yeah. definitely definitely yeah but like think... just a day and yeah they're brilliant hmm. yeah just the last hit probably a hit had probably come and gone by the time all of this was big. Yeah, 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 yeah. So then just a couple, a couple more artists I got written down here that we, we've we've spoken about, but just for the um, for the listener. So like um, the Zootons were massive. That was a really good first record, and the second one was all right. To be fair, was that Valerie? Rob, um, you heard of the Zootons? Sorry, Tres. I said Rob of you. You heard of the Zootons? That was was that Valerie? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I'd known that one, but I would have only got to it from the Amy Winehouse cover, I expect. And next, next up on my list is like even like Amy Winehouse would have got lumped in, but that's I feel that's because maybe she was like girl Pete Doherty a little bit. Um, you may have mentioned it while I was at the. Sorry, I'll go on. Didn't they knock around together in that? I th- I think they did uh, probably those two and Russell Brand though. Yeah. <laughs> um, also, uh, you may have mentioned it while I was out of the loop, but um, wasn't the first King Blues records around this time? Ooh, yeah, probably. Yeah, a bit earlier, maybe. Yeah, yeah, no, no, probably would have been. Um, oh yeah, and then um, I've got and obviously we've mentioned Jamie T. Jamie T. Yeah. Um, Lily Allen, even, you know, that first Lily Allen record was around this sort of time, was massive. And, pretty and good. Adele wouldn't have been far away either. Well, no, she wouldn't have, no, no. Just in terms of, because again, that was that whole, um, and forgive me if you have covered it while I nipped out, that was like the whole MySpace thing and then the Brit school. So like, yeah. um, I suppose at the end of this, you get into like Katie Tunstall and yeah. um, I can't remember her name now. Um, Kate Nash. Kate Nash, yeah. Yeah, that that all comes at the end of this, I feel. Or is it <sighs> or is it slap bang in the middle? I would yeah, probably I say it's... that Kate Nash song was quite an indie song. Yeah. Yeah. But again, but she came out of the Brit school, didn't she? Yeah. Yeah. Which Chase, what, what were you gonna say then, sorry mate? I 
well, just on Lily Allen. Those first couple of Lily Allen albums are really, really good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think she's great. Something we we wrestled with a little bit when we were picking our playlist, because um, I've always really associated this as uh, trying to cover try and cover two points here is like a second wave of Brit pop almost not in the terms of how the band sound but like L I again and, and correct me if I'm wrong but like a lot of those Brit pop bands I associate with you certainly Oasis um, Stone Roses Shed Seven that kind of thing like I remember when if you will if Alex was sort of the lad in our year who liked the punk music a little bit and the kinks and stuff. You were kind of like the indie kid, if you will. How, how strong an influence do you think those bands are on this scene that we're talking about? Because they're still, so I've made, I've got here like, like the Phonics were still putting records out. The Manics were putting records out. Oasis were putting records out, you know, like the Titans of, the turn of the century. Yeah, I mean, like that 2005 sort of period, like Oasis were playing sold out stadium tours almost every two years, sort of from in that time. And like these bands would be, you know, main support acts at these gigs. So like we saw Oasis at Wembley, like Kasabian, The Enemy, and The Doves, like as a support act like. And it's, so there's definitely got to be sort of like, if not, I don't think musically a lot of influence, perhaps, but definitely in terms of getting guitar music back into the mainstream thinking. Yeah, it's just interesting because you sort of sometimes associate like one scene almost like killing off another. Like Rob, we've spoken about how sort of punk almost killed off grunge in in a, in a, in a manner. Brilliant Oasis track from that that period with the you know the video yeah. where they're carrying the coffin. The importance of being idle. That's it. That's an amazing song. Yeah, yeah. And and really, that probably should have made the playlist. I think looking, but um, but yeah, I I don't know ever. It was just again because of the sort of I I never would never associate. Oh, so I wouldn't associate, but like stuff like the Arctic Monkeys feels so incredibly removed from stuff like. Oasis, but yeah, no. See, I think you're barking at the wrong tree because I think if I'm following the line from from Oasis in the '90s to the bands of the 2000s, I'm going with Coldplay and Elbow mm. and Embrace and all of those rather than the stuff you've chosen on this playlist. Yeah, that's I that's think, fair. I think Noel Gallagher would have kittens if he heard you say that, Rob. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, I think Oasis, you, yeah, they, they've just always been bands like Oasis and who I should say, the Phonics, who are probably underrated in terms of like what they've done, like with the stuff they've put out. And but if you listen to Oasis, I, if you actually listen to them, they don't sound like Britpop anymore in a way. They don't sound typically Britpop because they, they became just so much bigger than Britpop, which I think. For like, yeah, no, I think what I'm getting at, Al, is more like the influence of. So, you know, like, I can't, I don't, yeah, yeah. I don't no, I, hear I agree. Yeah. a single Oasis song on anything on this playlist. But, um, no, you know, no, there's, I, but yeah, there's I a song on this yeah, yeah, that yeah. reminds me of Blondie. 
Mm. Can't remember which song it was, but you know, there's stuff that there. I yeah. mean, there's the obvious lyrics of that dance to Joy Division, but there's also bass lines which remind me of Peter Hook. You know, there's a lot of good bass playing actually in yeah. sort of that scene at the time. Trying um, to pick and, yourself up a bit, out. Yeah, but I mean, I'm not saying it. I'm not. Say, I'm not trying to raise one up by lowering another or whatever. You oh know, no, no. Um, I just feel that, like, like I said, going back to what I said earlier about you know, there's there's obviously a branching point on the evolutionary tree at some point in the 80s, and I think the Stone Roses took it one way, and that's what we got in the 90s, and then they sort of gone back and reclaimed what maybe New Order were doing. I mean, we're talking about things like musically, whereas like I think you can look at it more to do with, you know, what Oasis were doing in the nineties was they brought guitar music back into the into the charts. They were number one. They were on top of pops every week. It was they were selling masses and masses of records. So without them, I, I'd imagine you perhaps couldn't have had this again, like this new an appetite for guitar music to come back into the mainstream. And start selling again. So, all right, it might not sound musically the same, but without that, perhaps you wouldn't have had, you know, yeah, that I'd opportunity. Be, I'd be amazed if pretty much every British band on that playlist don't look at Oasis as sort of a pretty massive inspiration for what they've done. I, you know, like they'd have to, right? Do you not think? Sorry, Sam. Uh, do you not think they might look at Oasis and think that's what we could achieve, rather than that's how to do it? Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think so. You know, if if four or five blokes from Manchester can become the biggest band in the world without cracking America, we can do it too. Whereas before before Oasis, if you like, like the biggest bands were the American bands coming over here. So, Mm. but you know, so rather than I think we're saying the same thing, really. But rather than then looking looking at them musically and saying um, this is what we have to do to be successful, it's that. Look what they did, and they were successful. We can also be successful. There's, there's quite a lot of similarities between the rise of like Oasis, say, and like the Arctic Monkeys. I think you know the way they they burst out, working class background. You know, just... that's without getting too far down that rabbit hole. Like, and, and obviously there are some massive examples of where it's not. But like a lot of these bands do feel like working class bands, don't they? If you know, I mean, obviously, I know there's there's exceptions where they are, like Coldplay being an obvious one. Um, I can't think of any others off the top of my block party. Yeah, Not yeah, James like, Blunt. James Blunt. You know, um, <laughs> but like, um, Libertines probably never had working class backgrounds to a degree. But I mean, well, yeah, Cambridge for a time. Mm, it's a fair point. Maybe I'm maybe I'm wrong on there. Maybe I've got my. Uh, socioeconomic standards quite but yeah well you go to like when we used to go to those ordinary boys gigs Al like we because we, we saw them loads didn't we sort of in that sort of three or four year period like I remember it being really odd yeah. because sort of when I would have gone to gigs prior to that a lot of it would have been sort of I don't know say Green Day Blink where we were definitely the demographic the target demographic and like we were surrounded by yeah. people our own age and it felt very safe. And to be honest, my mum or my dad or my older brother was probably there as well. But when we started going to see like the ordinary yeah. boys, just as a ma- the, the audience shifted massively and you suddenly went from having like 
lads with emo fringes to like men in their late thirties, neck in pints, Fred Perry on very suddenly like a much older crowd. I think I read a, a review of an early, early ordinary boys gig the other day. And basically they were saying that it for one minute, the pub was quiet and the next minute everyone finished work and piled in. And that was quite a, a strange period yeah. there because we obviously would have been sort of 18, 19 going to those gigs and being quite a bit, quite a bit younger than everybody else. You just, sorry, just saying about, yeah, you were saying about that working class audience definitely felt like it appealed. Yeah. Yeah. And probably still does to be fair. Yeah. Um, Hazel yeah. was saying earlier, I was def- found myself yeah. defending Jamie T earlier because um, I had the playlist on and, and she, she was saying how annoying she finds the whole mockney accent thing. <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 Um, so I, yeah, I don't, I, I think that's quite a big, around the time mm. you know with, with, with you know like the kate nashes and that you know it will feel sometimes yeah. it feels a little bit you know i i'm gonna have to defend yeah. jamie t there because yeah, I, know I quite often mean. sing with a bit of a fake cockney accent on yeah um you do, yeah. But i do yeah 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 <laughs> but in my defense it's not because i want to be a cockney it's because i, I want to be jamie t really <laughs> 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 all the singer from Squeeze. All the singer, see how all the singer from Squeeze, yeah, yeah. Or Kate Nash. Yeah. Or, or Kate, Kate Nash. Nash. Yeah. Take any of those, to be Did, fair. Have you been chewing um, some lemons because you are so bitter? Great line, great line. Um, so I, I'm just going back to my note a second here. Um, the Britpop thing. So we, we've kind of felt that, you know, it's perhaps not that same connect musically. Now, Jace, you mentioned them earlier. And I think this is a really good point and something we talked about when we were making our playlist and just generally chatting about it. Do you think the reason that the music doesn't sound like Oasis, Pulp, whatever, is because of the influence of American bands? So earlier on, Jace, you mentioned The Strokes. Yeah, I think I'm pretty sure The Strokes were pretty massive to the Libertines at least. Mm. Like that first, Because the first Stroke sounds quite... It's, well, it's not quite a bit earlier, but it's earlier than any of this, isn't it? Is it 2000, 2001, something like I that? I think it came out 2001, yeah. Well, this is it, isn't it? Yes, that's oh, yeah. Is so, this it? Yeah, is this it? it? 2001. Yeah. Now, this is a record that we spoke about on the podcast way back when, because it was on Briefly. my original list. Yeah. Um, and I think it's an, an absolutely amazing record. Um, but... I'm personally not sure how much of an indie record. I think it's a punk record, to be honest. But like my my thoughts on it is that it, I think it sounds. So I think if the Ramones were around now, that's the record they would have released. That's my hot take on it. Um, but do you think that that American influence is is quite pronounced? On yeah, I think so. Mm. The Strokes, especially because American indie is quite a wide reaching thing isn't it because you've got the strokes but you've also got like modest mags and you've got arcade fire and you've got the national mm. and they're all they're all american indie but they're all white stripes they're all pretty different mm. aren't they kings of leon. So, yeah I, kings of leon yeah yeah kings they're another leon, band yeah. who came up weren't they yeah so there's a there's a um i heard kelly jones say from the stereophonics once that like, i think they probably released the album after jeep which has got like maybe tomorrow on and all that which is pretty acoustic based pretty boring some great songs, but pretty boring, really. And he said he was watching The Strokes at some festival in, I don't know, 
Switzerland or something. And he said, like, everything they was playing was just 16th, but it was so much energy in that. And he was like, we've got to be- get back to that, to where we were before. And it, it, I think that might be indicative of the whole scene. It just got quite boring. And it was like, maybe too, it gone too anthematic, perhaps. So maybe, like, the strokes injecting that energy in, maybe they looked at that and thought, that's where we've got to go with it. Yeah, another um, favourite of mine to slag off feeder, and so it's going back to like '96. So I, I saw them supporting Terrorvision, and they were fucking brilliant. They were so so good. And then the album comes out, and it was all right. And then they release High. Do you remember High or not? I'm going out for a while so I can get high with my friends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. And then they reissue the album with that on it. And then every, and I think that got to like number eight or something just because of the novelty value of going out and getting high with your mates. Right? And then every other single after that it felt like it, they were trying to recreate high. And it, it's just like not the same band I saw. But they're still the second best in, band in Wales after the Stereophonics. So. Apparently, <laughs> apparently so. <laughs> <laughs> oh, by Catatonia. <laughs> <laughs> um, and Keratis solo works pretty good. Yeah, 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 yeah. So. Oh, hang on, we're not mentioning Tom Jones. Wow. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that in the bottom man. Yeah. What, what I will just say, and, and you know, I am, I am. I... <laughs> Max Bygraves, anyone? <laughs> and what I will just say, because it was mentioned earlier about Catherine Jenkins. <laughs> <laughs> Gavin and Stacey. <laughs> no. Actually, going back to jumping back even further to Elle's point about um, Kelly Jane seeing the strokes, off the back of that comes Dakota, which is their yeah. biggest hit and mm. probably up there with Mr. Brightside as the sort of. Yeah, to be uh, fair. The yeah. indie hit, isn't it? Um, before we get on to sort of the last last bit we wanted to talk about, um, there are some bands who I think are surprisingly successful from this this period. So, like, the Cortinas, right? And correct me if I'm wrong, but, like, they're still, like, one of the biggest bands in Manchester, aren't they? And in the North. Like, you sort of get past Birmingham, and they're fucking huge again. Yeah, they, yeah. Like, they like playing massive gigs in Old Trafford and that. Like, yeah. Like, yeah, it's pretty <clears throat> incredible how much bigger they are in Manchester. Is that, is that Old Trafford, the football ground or the cricket ground? Cricket ground. Cricket ground. Ah, I think they've done, the, they've done both, haven't they? I think, yeah, but they would have played the Etihad, I guess. I was going to say Main Road then, but... I think you know. the, the the summer after that, I think Emily Evis was saying, well, Cortina's got a good shot to headline Glastonbury because like, they really? are like, big gigs, but I mean, it never happened. But mm. so, like, it is quite impressive what they do. But Yeah. And great as well. I think, yeah, to be fair, I... I haven't really kept pace with them, but there's what one album, is it Falcon or something's quite got some quite good stuff, a bit of a change of sound for them. I quite like that. Um, and then I suppose the, probably, again, we do talk about the Libertines, but like the Arctic Monkeys, uh, for me, at least, and I'd be interested to hear what you say, they are, like, what they do now couldn't be further from what they used to do. But you hear his voice and you know exactly who it is, don't you? Do you... It, it couldn't be further, but, and I mean, the last album was a little bit hard work. 
but the I really liked it. Happy. I like right. Tranquil Base or whatever it was. Yeah, we have yeah. got an Arctic Monkeys episode lined up with Jamie in the next couple of weeks. Yes, so yes. Don't don't shoot you though. Too soon. No, 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 no. <laughs> I just find it interesting that like there's so many bands from around this time and bands that I I really like. You know, like, I love the first Hard Fi record. I love the first Ordinary Boys record. Like those two early Libertines albums, but like the Arctic Monkeys, like they've just grown and grown. And it, it amazes me that, like, uh, something you can never label them with is, like, resting on their laurels, I don't think. And I do wonder if a lot of the bands kind of go, like, a more, slightly more modern examples is, like, Catfish and the Bottle Men. It's, like, that first album so good. The second album came out and it was, like, wow, what else have we got left over, almost? Just to try and, like, garner that sort of hype from it. I think yeah, I totally agree. I think they've just any band that is just too too attached to a scene is almost to fail yeah. long term because a scene always runs out of ideas. People get bored of it because it's trendy, isn't it? And trends hmm. are their trends. Oh, I did that. Still, nineteen ninety four. I think if you are a band and you, you... <laughs> yeah, yeah. But if you are a band, then you have to diversify otherwise you'll just get you'll mm. just get it's that whole it's the whole um trend. iron maiden of it all so, iron maiden got successful doing a certain brand of heavy metal so they carried on doing that certain brand of heavy metal whereas forever yeah yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> and the fan but the fans buy it and they love it yeah, and they're one yeah. of the biggest selling out bands oh, in the world but yeah. yet you've got bands like radiohead who try and do something a bit different each time mm. and they're one of the biggest best selling out yeah. Bands. yeah. So Radiohead are another band in the two phases. They, you know, alongside all the list going off, Radiohead have released four four albums in the same time frame, and like couldn't be further away from this scene at all. So Radiohead did Kid A in Kid A in two thousand, Amnesiac two thousand and one, Hell to the Thief two thousand and three, and then in Rainbows for in two thousand and seven. I find Radiohead similar to the way I find Muse. They're quite niche. I think you either absolutely love them. They're or, hard work, aren't they? Or you think, mm, it's not for me. I I, I, think... I like them, but they're definitely like a Muso's band, aren't they? No. I like those first three... Not, yeah, first three quite, albums. Not quite such hard work, is it? The Benz is an amazing album. I like Kid That's A, to be honest, but then after that, it just sort of... Like, I know Amnesiac came out at the same sessions, but they kind of disappear at their own asses a bit. Yeah, I can remember... We were saying about Glastonbury there. I can remember they played, they headlined Glastonbury a few years ago. And the first, let's say it was an hour and a half set, the first hour, they were just so far up their own arse. Then last half, when they started playing the hits, they were absolutely yeah. brilliant. Yeah. But then you go back to the set they played in 97, and it's like spine tingling, amazing, even through the telly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Would the Benz have been out by 97? Has that have just been the first two albums? No, how, no, how, that, how, that, how, OK how, Computer was 97. So uh, me and the are doing a 25th anniversary episode in a couple of weeks time for that so so that would have probably that would have been the time to see him i guess wouldn't it well yeah but again you know they would have been headlining glastonbury they would have been you know in terms of world stage to the 2000s was peak radiohead i think i sorry i just wanted to highlight how different it is to the stuff you're yeah, yeah. well no, that's about. it and i think that's i think again radiohead are another one of those bands who i didn't who i didn't 
you know, they were massive, weren't they? Along the similar sort of times as like the Manics and Oasis and that, but completely different. So bef- what I would like to touch on before we, before we kind of finish is like, um, you know, I, I consider this, this, this period to be like, said at the start, a second wave of, of labeled it British indie, but I think there is perhaps a, quite a strong American influence. Now, it's died away in the main, I think, that sort of, and it's been replaced, you know, I would say, oh, I don't know what I would say is is the more, is the, the indie of its day. I guess the grime scene perhaps is, is quite, quite big now. But we have definitely seen in the last 18, 24 months, a bit of a resurgence, I think, in the British indie scene. Now, there's one band who we've we've spoken about on our little group chat, and I did send Rob the record, which we'll come on to shortly. But I'm just just wondering, are there any bands in particular that you think could pick up the torch and, and run with it? You know, who who could be like the next Libertines, the next Arctic Monkeys? Um, so so any 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 thoughts? So a couple that I've got down here. So I think Sam Fender. I think Sam Fender's pretty pretty indie rock and roll to yeah. me. I'd yeah. agree, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he's he's doing well. Um did you see he was I think it was on um NME perhaps. He was saying that um his one of his favorite things now is when the kids who were horrible to him at school ring him up or see him in you know back home and they're like, Oh yeah, Sam, we went to school together. Do you fancy playing uh do you fancy playing my wedding? And he gets to turn around to him now and say Actually, mate, you're a complete cunt at school. I want nothing to do with you. So no, actually. And he says he, he loves yeah. it. He says he kind of, you know, it's you know, fair play to him. I think he's great. The best so, band I've heard in like new band that I've heard since doing this podcast is Fontaine's DC. And yeah, I think as Alex mentioned him last time he was on, maybe. And I've like I'm really looking forward to was it like three weeks time, new albums out. I think they're fucking brilliant, and they're like, you know, like I said when I saw the uh, saw the killers on the telly, it's like that's a proper band again. That's the feeling I get with these. They feel dirty. You feel like you might get your head kicked in at a <laughs> club going to watch them. Yeah, you know. Um, so. L, was it you? You went to see the Skinner Brothers. Yeah, me and Alex. Yeah, a couple of weeks back. Do you think they sort of fit the bill? Do you think they're going to be? Think that'll blow up? Honestly, no, no. But I think they're brilliant. Yeah. yeah. I, I, are we on the verge of a resurgence? Probably not, are we? I don't think. I don't know, mate. That Skinner Brothers. Like, yeah, I mean, it's, it is amazing. They were like crowd surfing in the first song, the singer. Like, yeah. And he's, they're quality now. They're just, real good. Can I just yeah. jump on something Elliot just said then? He said, are we in line for a resurgence? Probably not. Is that because there's just, too much stuff out there and it's so diverse and so different that you know and maybe where we've had a bit of a break from bands playing that we haven't had a chance for a scene to develop yet yeah i think so yeah because we haven't had consistent gigs for two years yeah i'm gonna just to be um just to make it better listening i'm gonna go the opposite i'm gonna say there's gonna be a massive massive resurgence you think there's going to be some kind of pandemic punk scene coming along? Yeah, it's going to be huge. Led, be by the, led by the Skinner Brothers. 
Yeah, led by the Skinner brothers. Yeah. The thing is, though, they, they said when Trump came into power that, oh, I can't wait to hear all the punk that comes out of comes out of this, and it hasn't really. No. <laughs> yeah, yeah, true. Yeah. Another band, I think you'll like the Elliot got me onto these, actually, is um, a band called Trampoline. Yeah, Trampoline. Elliot, yeah. uh, I think you'd like them, Rob, because they, well, maybe I don't go that far, but let's say if there's a band that you're going to like, it might be these one because they're Welsh, yeah. right? Just, just <laughs> in low like <laughs> so, so, so are they what are they the sixth best band in Wales? Yeah, <laughs> yeah they, they've got a nineties feel to them and a bit of a grungy feel to mm. them, and and there's also a bit of like spoken word type stuff in it. There's it's quite John Cooper like, Clark, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. well, he's a poet as well, isn't he? Really? Mm. Yeah, I've been listening to their latest album a lot actually last. Few weeks, yeah. He's an amazing front man as well, isn't he? Al? Yeah, yeah, he is. He's really Was this the Libertines gig that you turned up to and they were all on time and they were really good and everyone knew yeah. what they were doing? Yeah, yeah, they Fuck. are. Yeah, you don't, you don't want to see the Libertines playing in time, turning up in time, <laughs> like, all getting on really well, and it's like, uh, oh, gross. Um, <laughs> so the other couple. <laughs> The other couple of bands I've just, I've made a note of before we come on to the final band who I want to talk about, and then we will bring this to a close. Um, so um, Yardaxe, I think they're pretty. You know, like that um, album was a really, really, really strong. good record. Yeah. I don't think they're that far away from some of the like. I think well, the problem I have with it is it does get a little like it, it's going to get co-opted by the. By the Guardian Easters, isn't it? A little bit, yeah. You but... know, the, the the um the Champagne Socialists. I'm not saying mm. they're Champagne Socialists. I'm saying they're going to get co-opted by, yeah. You know, if 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 the Guardian are writing about them every other fucking week, then yeah. people are soon going to get pissed off with Yard Act, aren't they? Um, yeah. but I, I reckon why the Skinner Brothers are good because they're like proper. They write songs about what's this of. Bank going to watch a football match. Yeah, know? yeah. Stupid songs, really, but yeah, at are least it's a bit real, you know. Yeah, it, they they are like a bit of a throwback, aren't they? Really. Mm. Yeah. I enjoyed what I've heard of them. Um, the other team, and I again, they had a new single out this week. Had a big tune in during the pandemic. That sports team. Oh, they, yeah, they're yeah. they're quite they're cool. They had that. Um, uh, what was that? What was the big single? Um, oh shit. Here's the thing. That was their single, wasn't it? Their big single. And then, I don't know if we're doing this anymore, Rob, but for, if for my record of the week, without doubt, is the Latham's album. Right. Oh, I think they're absolutely brilliant. Now, and he looks like you. And he looks, <laughs> and he looks like me. <laughs> yes. Well, I'll send you a picture. I did send you the... the if I he looks like you, today. I don't need a picture, do I? Well, yeah, no, <laughs> fair point. Yeah, I'll give you that. <laughs> so these come on these come to my attention Elliot sent me a video the other day of them doing a cover of Up the Junction and I was just watching it I was like who the fuck is this and the geezer's there and he's he's got his glasses on like I said he's got he's got his dad's jeans on his dad's shirt on and he's there like he, but he, they're brilliant absolutely brilliant I listened to that album Walking the Dog the other day and I, I, like I said to you guys before but like it's just just pure vibes it's just lovely it's just a really, really nice record. It is brilliant. And to be fair, that cover's not great, is it? I mean, it's a great song, isn't it, Squeeze? But 
yeah, it's it's all right, isn't it? You know. Yeah, I mean, it's not brilliant, is it? But yeah, the album is proper. He's writes some really good tunes. And... Yeah, and I I knew more of it than I thought I did. There was two or three songs on there that I was like, ah, yeah, 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 I have heard this. Um, I don't think you can really judge them off that squeeze cover, can you? It's a bit, oh, it's no. a bit flat and a bit. I, the best thing about that is is what he's wearing and his dancing <laughs> at the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which of out of all the bands that we've talked about tonight, if you could go and see one of them tomorrow, which one would it be? Oh, and and each of you take a turn. Thinking time. Okay, for me, uh, if I could see anyone tomorrow, it would probably be Jamie T. Just because I'd really like to see him again. That's really boring. Um, but it probably would be, I reckon. But if you could transport me back in time to two thousand and six. I would love to see the Arctic Monkeys yeah. in a little shitty club, yeah, somewhere in Sheffield or Leeds or somewhere, and I'd just be amazing. I'd say the Libertines, you know, in somewhere in Camden, but I, I think I'd be a bit scared of it, to be honest with you. I had I had tickets to see the Libertines in the Ritz in Manchester, which isn't isn't tiny, mm. but it's pretty small. And yeah, he went a wall. He went a wall the night before it. The rescheduled date was at the MEN, which can really yeah. be different, couldn't it? Yeah. So, yeah, I would go, if it's currently, I would say Jamie T, but if I could go back, I would love to have seen the Arctic Monkeys in a small venue. I agree with that. I'd love yeah. to have seen the Arctic Monkeys. Well, I didn't get into the Arctic Monkeys till they released AM, which I think is their best album. Interesting. I went back and got into the, like, the earlier stuff. Yeah. So, but I would agree on that. Seeing them early doors would have been brilliant. Mm. Seen the Libertines recently, but probably one of the best live bands is Kasabian, really. Never seen them, actually. Never, never. I'd imagine it goes off, though. It does. <laughs> Trez, anything? I think I'd go um, relive the Ordinary Boys oh. one more time. Oh, it's EJ's. Yeah. yeah TJ's shirt, was... it? Yeah, I know, but oh, what a night. Not Iron Maiden, Tress. <laughs> oh, yeah, but I definitely would go see Iron Maiden next time mm. I tour, but they're not on the list, mate. Oh, yeah, true, true. We'll get you back for that. Yeah. Um, Jay, who, who were yours? Sorry, did, did, did we... It's, well, it was quite a while where I'd say that the Killers were the best live band I'd ever seen, so mm. I'd probably stick with them. I'd I mean, like the Liberties are great. Killers. The Arctic Monkeys were great when we saw them, but yeah, was a long time ago now. yeah. Rob, what about you? You're not exempt from this. All right. Um, I don't know. I'll probably drive you good in the pictures <laughs> instead. <laughs> Excellent. No, Excellent. Um, honestly, I think the Libertines have been a lot of fun to see. Yeah. I haven't seen them. They, there's a lot of energy there. And there was one on there. Which one was it? Um, uh, the Pigeon Detectives gave me real, like, early New Order Peter Hookie vibes, I quite like that. So I'd, yeah, they were good fun. They were good fun. They, I can imagine they'd be good. Yeah. good band. What Go was on. that other band that was that Sponge had kicking pigeons or something? Yeah. Did yeah. I take you and Ben to Cheltenham to see him or something? Yeah, probably. Yeah. When was that? Um, would, would that have been before? Would that have been about 98? Oh, yeah, 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 that would have been. Yeah, no, because yeah. they're still going as well, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. Sponge Up to about you, 25 people. Yeah. <laughs> I'd go see him again. To be fair, I tell you another band that came on my, my came on my radar, and it might be you doing that little punk play. that's actually was Snuff. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. So I completely off this in it, but um, 
so yeah, I just want to. I feel we we should. Um, I want to dedicate the, the pod to a few different people, if that's all right. Um, one quick little anecdote before we go. I started following again, a little bit influenced by the era, a Champ Man O One O Two account on Twitter, and someone <laughs> and someone had tweeted about. Oh, I know. Who's I the most? Say. Who's the most underrated player? And uh, don't get don't get I've excited. I got two. Anyway, go on. Tell me, tell me who it is because if once I once I dedic- do this dedication, you're right, gonna feel so, sad. So, so, you, so at Derby County, you could buy Tonton Zolo Makuku for sixty grand. Yeah. Or there's a Belarusian guy yeah. called Maxim Salko. Yeah. So I had a real roller coaster. I tweeted this thing saying the fact that Maxim Salko is not a household name is a, is a shambles. Maxim DeSalco then follows me on Twitter. Right, but don't, because this is where it gets really sad. This is why I want to dedicate it to him. I yeah. got all excited, Googled him. He died two years ago. Oh. Yeah, I know. What a bummer. So I'd like to dedicate it to Maxim DeSalco. And of course, Taylor Hawkins died last week, which was terribly, terribly sad. Uh, so, Yeah, I woke up, looked, looked on the news in the morning. I was just like, I actually said, hey, like that. Fuck. Yeah. What, like, and for like three days after, I just, just like, how, how does that happen? Yeah. Like, like, I. Yeah, absolutely. So I feel the Foo Fighters are probably a band who have. Foo Fighters as well probably were quite heavily involved in this sort yeah. of time period. Yeah. About You're well. not wrong. Yeah. 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 Like headlining all of them festivals yeah. around that era. Yeah, definitely. So. We'd have all probably seen them at festivals yeah. and stuff. I did put out on our Instagram that I can remember walking into the, um, you, you know, at Reading, you had like the campground and then you walk into like the performance area where all yeah, the yeah. tents and stuff were. And we just got through the gate and Foo Fighters had come on um, on the main stage like two o'clock in the afternoon. And his bass drum just hit you in the fucking chest. And like it was like they went straight into monkey wrench and we were straight down the yeah. front and he couldn't have been in the band for very long at that point but just no. just the way that like yeah i i think he said i said something like he had all the power and all the control and he just beat the shit out of his drum yeah. every night one of the greats definitely proper rock star as well like, yeah so yes thanks very much everybody is there anything else to add or yeah, can I? I just wanted to um, really. So, there's a thing I see on, like, I think it's on a documentary that they reckon the end of Britpop was the day that Robbie Williams recorded Angel. <laughs> That's where they attribute the end of Britpop. I was just wondering if anyone had any thoughts on. So, that was 99, that was, wasn't it? I thought it was 98. Might, was be, 98. might be 99. But, like, that sort of. Apparently, Robbie yeah. Williams recording that Angels was. So, I would say peak. Peak Britpop would have been the Oasis gigs at Nebworth. Yeah. Yeah, 95, yeah. And then you had the whole, um, was it um, Country House from Blur? What was that up against? What Oasis song was that up against for the uh, number roll one? It. Roll, roll with it. it. Yeah, so that, and that, so that was like the the Britpop wars, if you like. Well, I think I think the thing is, Oasis were mainstream. They were selling, mm. they were number one in the chart, mm. biggest selling artists. But then I think that Robbie Williams record probably signified, well, now the pop stars are taking back yeah. what they had before. Well, I think that's, that is actually because from there you get Brit, I'm not, sorry, you get Pop Idol and you get X Factor's not far behind, is it, really? Which is, 
yeah, they've probably hit that. But which is odd because you know, take that one of the big big Britpop bands, didn't they? <laughs> yeah, 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 really. Yeah. But then you, uh, well, this is going to be random. Mark Owen's debut single "Tangerine," I think it was called, or something like that, was a proper yeah, Britpop yeah, number. Yeah. And did and didn't didn't sorry decent album his first album, um but yeah but proper this guitars and everything yeah, yeah. you know guitars in Britpoppy and didn't um P J and Duncan and <laughs> yeah. didn't they rec- didn't they cover Shine the Tears of Fears song no really God. yeah yeah and that that I think I think it was called Shine and that was all guitars in Britpoppy that sort God. of you know. Never so, expected Anton Jack to come up in this. I t- no, you know. I, I tell you, um, the seventh best Welsh <laughs> band. So, yeah, so has anyone got any ideas on what killed off the indie pop revival? <laughs> well, yes, I have. I have. Go on. Mumford and Sons. Yeah, it's exactly what I was going to say. <laughs> Mumford and Sons. Fucking violins mm. and banjos and fucking. You've got that completely different route. I was. From, yeah. Mumford and Sons and Noah and the Whale. That's what I was going to say. <laughs> but I would also offer up 80 by Ed Sheeran as the, as the end of it. Yeah. 2010, bit late maybe. Maybe it was a bit on the wane by then. But I'm happy to go with Mumford and Sons. I think that's... Uh... I think just sort of wanky acoustic guitar music. Yeah. Is... Yeah. Mumford and Sons, yeah. Ed Sheeran, yeah. That's uh flag. We covered a lot tonight. <laughs> I'll be like this. This, this is just a addendum, I suppose. But there's a lot of um, stuff which ends up coming out of scenes, which is that like I've heard Scroobius Pip compare, uh, call it um, music for people who don't like music. Right. Yeah. So, like, pe- people buy Coldplay to have on in the background when they got friends around or something. They buy Adele because it's on in the background. They buy Mumford and Sons because it's nice and it's not intrusive in what they're doing. So, and it, you know, the people who ain't actually that first. Oh, it's just all right to listen to from time to time. That's that's like probably the majority of people. Whereas people actually yeah. give a t- give two shits about what they're listening to and look at music as art as representative of the culture that they're a part of people like us people who are into it enough to sit around for two hours talking across the internet about it it's a lot there's a lot more to it than that and that's why we i would just say i kind of i you've i think both i know elliot i know you're you like coldplay (laughs) and i know presence is a bit of a fan uh i love the christmas song so we actually outnumber you tonight (laughs) all right okay um Excellent. Right. Thank you all very much indeed. Yeah, cheers, everyone. Thank you for coming thank you for coming with us to celebrate our first birthday of the podcast. Happy birthday. Happy thank birthday. Thank you very much. Hang on, hang on, hang on. <laughs> Happy birthday. <laughs> I've been sat there for oh, hours. <laughs> um no, thank you all very much indeed for, for that. Really appreciate it. And yeah. Here's to another year. Yeah, cheers, fellas. Mm. Cool. Right, catch you later. Cool. Cheers.